my dog is throwing up right next to me. <laughs> oh, there is a first time for everything. <laughs> this is real life working from home. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Called Women podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Miller. And today I have a very special guest here with me. Her name is Jennifer Alwood. She teaches small business owners how to make money online while keeping their faith and family a top priority. She is the host of the Jennifer Alwood show and the author of the book called Fear is Not the Boss of You. Jennifer is also a close family friend and she is an amazing woman of God who does an excellent job at merging her faith within the marketplace. Jennifer, welcome to the Called Women podcast. Natasha, I am so excited to be here. Thank you. You know I'm your number one fan on this podcast, so thank you for having me. Yes, I have been waiting for our conversation and just a little side note and insight into this podcast and even into the Called Women brand. Jennifer was one of the main voices that really helped to pray, encourage, and just kind of shoot me into uh, this new endeavor. Um, she has always been such an advocate for me and my husband and our family and what God's called us to do. So to have you here is definitely um, just a fulfillment of prophecy, of fulfillment of, um, you know, God's words over my life and my family's life. So Jennifer, I went ahead and shared kind of like this official bio of who you are, but I know that you are more, you know, than your bio. So I would love for you to share uh, with our audience more about you. Thank you. Well, I remember the first time I learned about you and um, Jamal, and I, I think I've told you this, but I'm not sure. I saw you on TV. Did I tell you this? No. And I was like, wait a second. I think they're in a business group that I'm in okay. and, and like we had paid for a course you had, and we had, and we were in there together. And I'm yeah. like, I've seen these people in there. I'm like, honey, honey. I'm telling my husband, I'm like, I know them. Not that I knew you, but anyway, yeah. I, I think I reached out to Jamal then and was like, Hey, are you in this group? And he was like, I am. Are you in this group? And yeah. so um, I've been rooting for you guys for a long, long time. I look at your sweet, precious family. And I think yeah. you're doing the thing while you're like raising kids yeah. and I can remember because we have four children and we had three when I was building my business. So I know what it's like mm -hmm. trying to grow a business in the online space with kiddos on hips. And that's all I knew for years. And I see you doing it. And I just want to applaud your efforts. And, and I see you and I'm so excited for you. So, um, but yeah, so I actually started out not as a business coach. I opened up a painting company in Kansas City, where we live, go Chiefs. We yeah. just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, but back in the year 2000, which now when I say 2000, it sounds like I'm 90 years old, but um, I started a painting company. And like 10 minutes after I started that company, Natasha, and it was, we got in with a couple designers in Kansas City who actually like did work for the Chiefs way back then. Mm -hmm. um, I got pregnant with our first son, Noah. And I was like, okay, Lord, what you doing? I just started this business. We've got some favor and now I'm pregnant. And so I painted up until the time I was about eight months pregnant. And I was never one of those girls with like that cute little volleyball mm -hmm. belly. Like I was the girl that was the size of a Volkswagen by the time she was, you know, four months pregnant. So I ended up hiring women to come paint for me. Mm 
and mm-hmm. did that while I stayed home and raised kiddos. And um, we were on Extreme Home Makeovers, ABC show three different times. God just had so much favor on that business. But I got to where I was starting to feel a little restless mm-hmm. about 10, 15 years in. And I was just thinking, okay, there's got to be something more. Like I love the painting, but I feel like there's something else. And I was really good, oddly enough, at growing my social media, you know, Facebook and Instagram started. Mm -hmm. And I was like, turns out I really love social media, which is weird because I'm a total introvert. I'm trying to remember who's the introvert in your house. Is it you or Jamal? Man, I would say with me, I feel like I'm an ambivert. My husband, I would say he is more introverted. So when he needs to be turned on, he can be turned on, but yeah. Well, by himself, he's cool. <laughs> yeah. And so I figured out that as an introvert, though, like I kind of came alive on social media because it felt like, you know, I had a lot of control over, yeah. you know, I can delete something, I can go back and edit it. And mm-hmm. people were really attracted to my social media. So then other people started saying, okay, how do you have 100,000 Facebook followers? How are you at 300,000 Facebook followers? Like, what are you doing? Would you coach mm-hmm. me? And I can remember thinking, would I coach you? Like, I don't know what you're saying. Would I coach wow. you? Like, I, I'm thinking of a coach, like a football coach, like a softball coach. I'm, I'm not thinking business coaching. And so finally, one day I just was like, okay, Lord, well, I don't know what you're doing here, but they're asking me to coach them. Why don't I start like a a cute little group for 47 bucks a month? And I was coaching with someone who had a paid Facebook group and I'll just teach them how to build their Facebook and their Instagram, like what I've done. I'll just teach them what I know. And I was thinking, you know, that this could bring in a little bit of extra money. Well, it turned out that took our business to like, the $2 million a year point in just a couple of years time. And like Forbes did a article about it. And I was like, our life just blew up Mm -hmm. and it's amazing, but I can no longer do the coaching and the painting company. So I switched, Mm -hmm. you know, from one to the other and shut down the painting company at the Lord's prompting back in 2017. And at this point I've coached well over 20,000 women uh, on how to not only grow their social media, but really just how to make money online. So my Mm -hmm. favorite people to coach are women who are trying to make money through courses, memberships, one-on-one coaching. They're trying to sell money or trying to sell things online so they can make money while they stay home. That's like my favorite group of people to be mentoring and teaching. And so, yeah, that's what I do. The book kind of, you know, came with it a few years ago and the podcast I've been doing for many, many years. And um, so it's a whole lot of fun. Yes. No, I love that. And also just sharing your journey of how you came into coaching, because I know that a lot of women in our audience, when they hear the word coach, they Mm -hmm. automatically think that you have to be a master in it. Yeah. Or certified or yeah. Yes. So I'd love for you to just kind of expound on that. How would you define a coach Mm -hmm. and how would you encourage a woman right now who's maybe thinking, Hey, like, am I a coach? If I am a coach, how does this, you know, happen? Well, I think that there are so many things that, um, you know, my audience is mostly women. I always joke that I have like two men out of my (laughs) 600,000 following, like two guys. So it's mostly women, but you know, there's so many things that like God has walked us through as experiences. Mm -hmm. Right. And we get on the other side of it. And sometimes you wonder what the heck was all that for Mm -hmm. all that loss, that divorce, those miscarriages that, you know, being married to an alcoholic, like whatever your story is. And you get to the other side and you're like, I don't know what that was for. And there's times when I look at women, I'm like, okay, do you realize like you could share what Mm. God has taught you to really like almost be throwing, um, you know, a life preserver to other women. Mm. And if you want to call it coaching, that's fine. If you want to call it 
consulting, that's fine. There's actually quite a difference in the two and I can share that with you. But I think sometimes we walk through things and we don't think we're a coach, but can you be a blessing to somebody else with what God has taught you? Or are there things that you just know that are completely like normal to you that to other people, they, they just don't get, I know like one of the things that's super important to me that I love is design and decorating. And that came out of me, you know, doing my painting company for so many years. And, um, and so I coach so many women on how to take their design skills and teach women online. And Mm. so you can call that teacher, coach, consultant, whatever you want, but Mm. taking the things that you instinctively know, or the things that God has walked you through and being a blessing to other people. And in the process, making money is like, in my opinion, such a win-win. And so, you know, if people are uncomfortable with the word coach, I think of a coach as like, um, somebody that's a professional cheerleader for lack of a better word, which I just am really good at. I remember, do you remember all those tests, Natasha, that people used to take at churches about like your, I don't remember your, your gifting. Like my gift was exhortation. And I can remember years ago, I was like exhortation. I think this was before Google was a thing. So I think I was probably going to a dictionary. I'm Mm. like, what is exhortation? And it essentially is just that you're really good at lifting other women up and drawing Mm. out of them their strengths and, and, showing them how they could use those to do something different. And so I know that that's my gifting. Mm. And so I do that through the avenue of coaching, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, A consultant, on the other hand, usually um, is somebody that like tells a person specifically like what to do in their life, in their business. And so um, I do a little bit of that also, but I, I love the title of coach. And for a long time, it felt super weird because I didn't have an official certification or anything. Yeah. And eventually a couple of years ago, I spent way too much money and way too much time on getting a life coaching certification. Mm-hmm. When the truth is like, I had an MBA in experience, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's sometimes yeah. what women forget is like, you have an MBA, you have a degree, if yeah. you will, just through life experiences and using that um, to really exhort and help other people, I think is just a beautiful thing. No, I love that. And I feel like that's definitely encouraging to women that are listening, because I think just even in our society, it's easy for us to fall into, okay, you need to do X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. in order you know, to be successful. Yeah. But I definitely feel and know with being in the digital space as well is that times are changing mm-hmm. and that people are looking to be coached and consulted by real people. Yes. that have an MBA in life, in right? Life. Yes. Um, so one thing that I was telling you even before we hit the record button is that mm-hmm. I've admired your journey of faith mm-hmm. um, in business. And uh, oh, my dog is throwing up right next to me. Right now. I am so sorry. Oh <laughs> I can't hear it, but this is hilarious. And you better make this into an outtake. One time my dog puked right behind me too. And I was like, y'all see that? <laughs> this is real life working from home. Hi friends. I know we are in the middle of an amazing conversation with Jennifer Alwood, but I wanted to quickly come on here to personally invite you to the Called Coach Bootcamp. Are you a woman that feels called to life coaching? Are you ready to now take action and serve the women that God is calling you to serve? Well, if that's you, you want to make sure that you are a part of this amazing two-day workshop. We're going to be focusing in on four different areas of coaching. The, The first phase is going to be focused on your story and how your story impacts your coaching. 
Secondly, we're going to teach you how to find your people. And then thirdly, we are going to help you understand your your unique coaching DNA style so that you can be a great coach. Lastly, we're going to show you how to get clients and how to build a successful life coaching business. So be our guest. It's going to be an amazing time of strategic uh, frameworks to help you build a successful life coaching business. So I thought I would just throw out there and mention, Natasha, you know, you were talking about how some people are like, do I need to get a certification? I need to go to school or whatever first. Sometimes I honestly think that's just a way of women stalling out of fear. You know, I wrote a book about fear. So I'm all, you know, I've got all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because the majority of the time, a a certification is really not needed for the coaching space. It really isn't. There's Mm -hmm. no sort of a degree that's needed. A lot of experience is needed just to stay in integrity. But Mm -hmm. I think sometimes women will use that. I need to get a degree. I need to get a certification just to kind of keep, you know, punting that down the road because they're terrified to start. So I'm always warning women, like, do you actually need a certification or are you just, are you just kind of stalling out of fear? And I think that's important to kind of examine and mention. No, that's really good because that is something that we're seeing even within our community um, of just Mm -hmm. women having all of the education, but Mm -hmm. still feeling stagnant and stuck on what step to take in order to, you know, to live that life of purpose and passion. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's really good. So even before I hit the record button, um, I was you know, telling you how I admire your ability to remain so Mm -hmm. authentic uh, when it comes to your faith and when it comes to your business in the marketplace. And I'm a part of your email list and um, I see all of your ads and all those different things. And I've seen you make a lot of pivots right within your company Mm -hmm. when it came to what you were feeling the Lord was calling Mm -hmm. you to build, you know, for women. So can you bring us into that journey of, how do you kind of make decisions with God? Because God is the CEO of your company. So right. how do you, how do you navigate that? Well, um, so I wish that I had like this really concrete answer, but I have just learned not to like overthink things, Natasha. Mm-hmm. And when I feel like I've got a, an idea that I think kind of feels a little smarter than what Jen is like, that's usually God. And I also like, just when I have an inkling or a hunch, I just try to follow that Mm -hmm. without giving it way too much thought, because I think sometimes we can talk ourselves out of such good God ideas. And we're like, Lord, help me. And he's like, honey, I am like, I've been downloading stuff to you and you just keep doing your pros and cons list. And you Mm -hmm. keep trying to ask me for 15 more, you know, confirmations. Is this you God? And Mm -hmm. I have gotten to where I'm a lot older than you. I'm 52. And so, and I've walked closely with the Lord um, since I was 30. I got saved when I was a teenager, but um, I have gotten to the point where I know that if I think something's God and he's asking me to shift or pivot or add something to my business or take something away, to not overthink it and just to trust that I serve a big enough God that if I'm a knucklehead and I've heard incorrectly, and this is me going down the wrong way, that God is completely able to like back that bus up. Right. Yeah. Because the opposite of that is you're sitting and praying and like not to be offensive to anyone, Mm -hmm. but you can only sit and pray for so long before you got to get up off the sofa and try something. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the Lord's able to work with things that are in motion. This is why the Bible talks about water all over the place because it's moving and it's alive and the word of God is alive. And yet we wanted to sit in our prayer closet for years and pray about the thing. And while I think there's, 
a time and a place for that. I also think that's another way of women just stalling out of fear because what we want to happen is this. We want to have like this, you know, megaphone from heaven, which that would be nice. I mean, it happened in the Bible. Never happened to me, Natasha. I don't know about you, you know, so we want that or we want the like, assurance that what we're stepping out to do is the right thing. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that that comes first. I think Mm -hmm. that it's like, you know, we, we trust our father and, or we trust him enough to like shift things if we're not going in the right direction. But I don't think we ever get to have that assurance because that's not faith that something's going to work out before we try it. And so I think there's so many women who are sitting and praying and years are going by and time, like, let me just tell you, time is a thief, man. At 52, I'm like, how did God even trust me with kids and a mortgage? Like I still feel 25 some days, you know? And so you can only sit and pray for so long before before I wonder sometimes, okay, I'm going to say something that I don't think is probably biblical, mm-hmm, okay. but that it's a way to trick myself, Natasha, into doing things. And I wrote about it in my book, Fears Not Philosophy. Okay. There's times that, you know, the Bible does say that the Lord is looking, he's scanning to and fro for somebody that'll like stand mm-hmm. up and be like, here I am, Lord, you know, use me. And so there's times that I wonder if, if I have an idea, like if you ever had a good idea about something, I can remember thinking about like, I wish that I invented like a purse that when you open it up, like a light pops up in the bottom. And then mm-hmm. I saw somebody invent that. And I was like, dang it. And yeah, I can yeah. remember, <laughs> you know, so you have things like that, right? So there's times that I wonder if the Lord is scanning and he's looking and, and, and he's trying to find, okay, who will coach on this thing? Who will, who mm-hmm. will stand up and teach my girls this? Who will lead my women in this? Like, I wonder if I'm too slow to be like, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I don't know, but I'll like, does, do I get leapfrogged? Does he sometimes just go to the next girl who's more willing to be like, sure, Lord, I'll try it. And I related it in my book. And again, I don't think this is, you can probably find some scripture, but this is how the Lord teaches me with four children. We have three biological, one adopted. They range in nine years old to 22. That's right. That's a long spread. And I've been parenting for a lot of years. I know Natasha, when I look at my four kids, I know darn good and well that if I need something done, which of those four kids I can look at and which one is going to be like, I don't know how mom I'm too busy, mom. I know which of the four is going to go. Absolutely. What you need, mom. I I, like, you just know as a parent, which child is going to give you a little more pushback and which one's going to be more likely to be like, sure, what what you need. And so when I look at my four kids and if I really need something done, I know which one I'm going to ask. Now I'm not calling that favoritism, but I'm saying I know my children Mm -hmm. and I know that God knows us in the same way. And so I just want to be a yes girl on this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. I want to be the girl that's like, Lord, I don't know. You're asking me to get a life coaching certification. Okay. I don't know if it's necessary. And that was a lot of money, but I'm going to believe that it's, you're going to, you know, use that for good somehow. I don't know. Now we're like adding software to our company, Natasha, Mm -hmm. because like, I know a lot of the women I coach, they're like me. They're not techie. They're very heart centered entrepreneurs, but we're not good at you know, software and tech. And so a year ago or so, my team came to me and they're like, we think we should incorporate software to help women like start their website, schedule their social media, do their landing pages, send out emails, you know, and I'm like, sounds great. How much is it going to be as an entrepreneur? And then I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, are you for real? And so, you know, but we have, we literally launched in the last couple of months. I don't know if this is going to be 
you know, super profitable or super great for the business. Like I'm hopeful, mm. but I felt like, you know, the team came to me with the idea. I feel like I was like, God, what you think? I felt yeah. like it was, it was supposed to be a yes. And so I'm just trying to be a yes girl, believing with all my heart that if I'm getting it wrong, man, at least I tried. And when I look at yeah. my kids, like, isn't that what we want from our children too? Like, yeah. I remember I told the story in my book about how one time I asked my son, Noah, when he was in high school, if he would mop the kitchen floor and mm -hmm. Natasha, I kid you not, he looks at me and he goes, I don't know how to mop. Yeah. And my first thought is I am a failure as a mother. <laughs> What? I mean, come on. And then I'm like, of course he doesn't know how to mop. Um, I don't even, you know, mop. And, yeah. and so anyhow, I'm like, well, Noah, you YouTube everything else, like YouTube mopping. And we sat there and argued back and forth. And by the end of that conversation, I was like, I don't even care how you do it. I don't care if it's yeah. a good job, but I said mop the floor. I would love for you just to go ahead and give me a yes, ma'am, and mop the floor. And then, you know, he did. But I use that as an example in the book because I just wonder sometimes if God's like, Jen, Natasha, like, yeah. come on, girls. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect, but I am asking you. And then I yeah. wonder when I'm like, no, I need to pray about it. No, I need to call 16 girlfriends. No, I need a yeah. sign in the sky. Like, I wonder, do I ever get leapfrogged? And mm -hmm. he's asking somebody else who's more likely to say yes. No, that that's so, yeah. And yeah, it makes complete sense. And what I'm hearing is that there's a certain level of maturity that the mm -hmm. Lord you know, desires for us to walk in because hearing your journey of, okay, God, you're asking me to do this. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to manifest in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be obedient. I'm, you know, you know, designing, but people are being impacted by my online work. So yes. I think too, how have you, what has obedience you know, to God in your life, in mm -hmm. business, in family, in ministry, what has that unlocked mm. within you That's so good. Uh, personally and, yeah. and, and also just with God as well? Okay. I'm going to give you a story. My pastor always says that obedience is God's love language. And you know, you hear that and you're like, yes, yet until God's asking you to be obedient. And then you're That's like, right. sure. Okay. I'm going to give you a good story. I don't know that I've told this story much and I'll try to tell it without crying okay. on other people's podcasts. I've talked about it on my podcast. Mm -hmm. I actually wrote about it in my book. It's chapter eight. It's everybody's favorite chapter. Mm -hmm. So I was in very close relationship. Um, like, do you have, like, I tend to make friends for a, for a long time. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't get as an introvert, very close to people. And it's a very short friendship. I have a best friend that, um, you know, I'm 52 and I've known her since kindergarten. Oh, <laughs> My yeah. other best friend, her birthday is today. We've been friends for 25 years. And so like, you know, we're in the long haul. So I don't make yeah. close friends casually. And mm -hmm. about 12 years ago or so, um, I had a friend who I was very close to and we had problems in that relationship. And I think both of us as good, you know, church going girls, we were both like, okay, we should be able to do this better. We're not doing this better. I'm mad. Yeah. She's mad. I'm not, you know, uh, presenting, representing Christ. Well, she's probably not either. And I just kept thinking, we'll eventually work this out. Nope. We did not work it out. And yeah. it was heartbreaking because we had a whole group of friends that, you know, they were a part of. And so it felt like people were needing to choose sides and we go to the same church. And so, you know, I'm going into church trying to avoid her and she's trying to avoid yeah. me. And Natasha, it was all consuming for a hot minute. And I'm like, not embarrassed, but yeah. I'm embarrassed to talk about it now because I'm like, 
we should have been able to do better. And I can remember, I would wake up in the morning thinking, I can't believe she hates me. I mean, Mm -hmm. online people sometimes hate me, but that's, you know, because I stand for Jesus or they don't really know me, but like, why does she hate me? And I can't believe she's just dumping me. And I'd go to bed Mm -hmm. thinking about it. And I'd I'd worry, like, if I go to the grocery store, I want to make sure I look good because Mm -hmm. when I look good, then she's going to think, I wish I would have stayed friends with Jen. I mean, how how ridiculous is that? You know, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And um, I can remember this. Remember how I just said a few minutes ago, like, we'd all like that megaphone from God. Yeah. I've had the Holy Spirit um, give me the what for a couple of times in like an almost audible voice. So I can remember I'm driving down the road to Target where all good things happen um, okay. <laughs> 10 or 12 years ago. And I'm driving in the car and I'm thinking about this relationship that, you know, several years ago had ended badly. And, you know, we unfriended each other on Facebook and all the drama. It was ridiculous. And I'm still thinking about it. And I've still got a lot of feelings. And it was as if the Lord was sitting next to me in my SUV. I heard the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. so clearly say, Jen, I have so much that I want to give you if you can just lay that down. I'll never forget it. It gives me chills mm-hmm. now. And I knew in my knower, God's talking about my life, my business, my children, my family. And he's talking about, will you just finally put to rest your disappointment over that relationship and your frustration and you're being all consumed about it. And I remember it so clearly. I called my friend, Jill, who's like a spiritual mama to me when I was walking around target. And I'm like, Jill, this is what I just heard the Holy spirit say. And she's like, well, then you best. And I'm like, I know, I know. I just need to get over it. And from that point on, when people would want to bring it up to me, I was like, "Mm." I quit like peeking at her social media. I quit, you know, wondering if we, it, it, it wasn't like overnight, but I really made a conscious effort because, um, it was like a, you can't have both Jen. What you gonna, what you gonna, what do you want? Do you want to like cling to this dream of a friendship that, that I took out? And, and in retrospect, Natasha, like, it's not that there's bad. I mean, there are bad people, but it's not that either of us were bad people, but we were bad for each other's season. And when I finally wrapped my head around that and was able to lay that down, it is wild how my business exploded. And Mm -hmm. is it directly Mm -hmm. attached to that? I would say yes, that obedience. I did not want to give that thing up. I wanted to, you know, because we take our offenses sometimes and we, and they're like a little whoopee and we pet them and look at how I've been hurt. Look at how I've been done wrong. And we tell everybody that'll listen and all the things. Right. And I, I had done that for way too long when I finally was like, this is ridiculous Lord. And again, it took me a minute, but it was amazing at what opened up in my life and business. Is it directly because of that obedience? Mm. I'm not sure, but I think so. Mm. He works all things together for our good. And what you just blessed my entire life with that story because I am good. (laughs) That's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's real life because so many women um, have been in relationships to where they, you know, lost a friend or the friendship ended badly. And just our human nature, right? (gasps) We're Kurt. We're not perfect people. We think, like, I know I think evil thoughts sometimes about people. Mm-hmm. And I love Jesus. I love Jesus with all of my Same. heart. It's just yeah. a part of our sinful nature. Yeah. But I love how you intertwine obedience in one season, you know, to another season. Because yeah. the thing is, is that sometimes we feel, okay, God has given me an assignment. I'm a called woman of God. It's time yeah. for me to start my coaching business. But we still have unforgiveness. We mm-hmm. still have unhealthy mindsets. Yeah. We still have an unholy perspective of who God is mm-hmm. in our life. Yes. So I, 
I believe that 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 story really blessed a lot of women in um, in causing them to think, okay, what have I not let go of? What am Mm -hmm. I holding on to that's preventing me from stepping into that season? So how would you encourage a woman who knows that, okay, there's something that I'm holding on to, but I don't know what it is exactly. Like, do they, you know, go to prayer about it? Should Mm -hmm. they seek a, you know, a pastor, a therapist, how would you encourage women right now who's listening to dig deep Mm-hmm. to figure out what needs to be settled before yeah. they can go into that next season. Yeah. So, well, I, I think there's a place and a time for therapy and meeting with pastors and um, I'm a busy woman. So I like to cut to the yeah. chase and right. Lord, just, will you be just good enough and kind of just show me show what, me, yeah. show me, Lord, what am I clinging to that is just not your best for me? Um, because I so want to get rid of that. I can give you another story, Natasha. Yeah. Do you have time for one more yes. story? Bring the story. Okay, so I'm 52, as I told you. And um, at 50, well, okay, so I've never met my biological father. Well, you're you're mm-hmm. about to get the real real. This is some this is some stuff that I've never talked about on social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found out that the father that was raising me as a child was not my biological dad when I was getting a haircut one day. And you know how sometimes mm-hmm. the ladies that cut hair, there's a whole lot of chit-chatting exactly. going on. And she said something about my dad not being my real dad. And I'm like, excuse me? I think I was maybe 12. And mm-hmm. she was like, you didn't know? And I'm like, no, I didn't know. And yeah. um, tried to talk to my parents about it. And they were like, no, he actually, he's your real dad. Um, mm-hmm. They even told me, get a Bible and we'll swear that he's your real dad. Because there was a lot of shame back in the yeah. 70s around having a child out of wedlock, et cetera. So I'm 16 and there was a boy in my class. I grew up in a little tiny town in middle of Midwestern Iowa, class mm-hmm. of 44 people. There was a boy that was going to ask me to homecoming. And he yeah. was a friend of mine. His name's Chad. And Chad's mom had to sit him down and say, oh, Chad, honey, you can't ask Jen to homecoming you know, your uncle Mike, that's her dad. And we were cousins. And I was like, this is how I find out who my biological dad is. Okay. So I never had a deep, deep desire to try to find out who he was until I was pregnant with our third child, Ava. And I was 36 when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Turns out when you're 36, they treat you like you're 86 having a baby. You know, it's considered like advanced maternal age. And and Ava had some tests that came up that she um, possibly, they were concerned, could have Down syndrome when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So they wanted me to meet with like a level two, you know, um, person that would look at all the family history and things. So I did that and they needed to know my dad's background and all the medical stuff. Well, I didn't know. So that really got me starting to wonder. And I started to think, do I actually want to reach out to my biological dad? So I did when I was 36, I emailed him and he said he didn't want anything to do with me. And I was upset and I was angry and I was disappointed. I was also prideful enough that I didn't follow it up with an email. (laughs) I was just like, well, okay then. So then When I turned 50, I was at a mastermind event um, in California. I can, I remember this distinctly. I love masterminds. I've always belonged to a mastermind. You and I and Jamal were in a mastermind together. I have a mastermind. And I was doing a walk on the beach before the mastermind started. um, And I'd taken my journal and I kind of thought I was probably going to do some business with the Lord. Sure enough, you know, the Lord's always, (laughs) he always has business to do with us. And I was like, Lord, what am I holding on to, you know, in this season that is not your best for me? And I thought there's still like the seed of bitterness that my biological father still rejects me. And, um, and I think I want to reach out to him again. And so I did and got an immediate response again. Nope. And I was like, okay, this is now the thing that you're asking me to let go of the Mm -hmm. fact that 
I've got a dad that wants nothing to do with me, that he has other children that are um, biologically not his, they're adopted. Um, you're asking me just to not be okay with the way that my whole biological family has said, don't call us, don't contact. Like, I'm thinking I'm a decent, like, I don't need yeah. anything from you. I've got money. I don't need money. I've got, mm-hmm. I've got a, 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 another dad, but it, and so it was so, I just remember being on the beach thinking, oh, this one hurts, Lord. You want me to give yeah. up this one? It still makes me want to cry. Yeah. It's because it's not right. That's not how God intended family yeah. to look like. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I had to lay that down and, and that was, a, it's been a harder one to lay down. It's not, it wasn't as easy as the friendship was. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen a direct, you know, blessing a tied to that obedience. It's just like, um, it's, it's just not best for my heart to be consumed mm-hmm. by it anymore. I also know, Okay, I have a theory, Natasha. You want to hear yeah, this theory? Yes. All right. Here's my theory. And I've asked on Instagram stories because at this point, I've coached over 20,000 women in the last decade, decade who are in business. I wonder if there's a pattern between women who have businesses and are do they have a bad relationship with their earthly mm-hmm. father or do they not know their earthly father? I have a suspicion that there's a little bit of a pattern there. Mm. And because it's almost, um, sometimes I wonder, am I ever trying to make sure I'm successful so that maybe somebody will, you know, maybe he'll want to have a relationship with me. I don't think that's what I'm doing, but it's Mm -hmm. been something that I feel like I'm working through that obedience of laying down the need Mm -hmm. to have a relationship with my biological father Mm -hmm. and the need to also want to like, come through, you know, Instagram DMs and just start throwing punches because the way, you know, the way I've been, um, I'm like, you can't just pretend somebody's life doesn't exist. Like, and it sort of makes me feel anger. And even though it's perhaps righteous anger, I still know I've got to keep laying it down. This is one that's not a one and done. This is every time I think, you know what I'll do? I'll just write one more message. I'll lay it down again because I'm like, I don't want the Lord withholding from me because I've been disobedient. And again, that's probably not biblical, but it, yeah. but that's a way that I almost so, convince myself not to do something that I want to do. My flesh wants to do it because yeah. I, I also just want whatever God's best for me is. And I don't want to shoot myself in the foot by not laying down things that I'm supposed to. Yeah. And I, and, and that's, you know, very relatable because to me, it shows your reverence and honor for God and just even that place of God, I want to be, you know, a yes girl, God, I, I don't want my heart to be hardened because yeah. if it's hardened, then I'm not able to love those that you're bringing into my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you're wanting people to experience the same level of transformation and freedom that yes. you are experiencing personally. Mm-hmm. And I think the power of a great coach is that you're willing to go first. And I remember even, um, you know, chatting with a mentor of mine and I was telling her when we were praying and as we were building, you know, called women, I remember being on the phone crying because I just felt that the Lord was asking me like, Hey, you go first. And that the cost of your obedience, right. Is the oil that will be able to flow from your life. And I think that when you are pioneering and you're doing something new, something that's mm-hmm. challenging and you're called to impact women all over the world, there is a cost that you have to pay. And then also there's a level of discipline yes, and character uh, building that you have to be committed to in order to sustain what the Lord is asking you to build. Yeah. Well, the Bible uh, says to whom much is given, much will be required. 
And I think about that all the time. I'm like, I can't have the life that we have and the business that I have without also the Lord requiring much out of me. And, um, and so, yeah, there's a saying it's, it's graphic and it's kind of gross, but Mm -hmm. I use it a lot in my coaching that the first one through the window gets bloody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we're trying to break through a window for people coming up behind us, someone's got to go first. Someone's probably going to have some collateral damage, you know, it's it's just the way it is. And, and I, and, um, you know, in my business coaching, like I do a lot of mindset coaching and -hmm. there's also that faith component because we are no longer in a time where we can separate, like, this is my business over here. And this is my life over here. Like, it's just all, you know, like Mm -hmm. this anymore. And so I refuse to coach without the biblical component but with, and without the mindset component. But I'm always telling women in my coaching, like, if you're the first to do anything in your family, because there's so much, mm-hmm. you know, a generational curses, also generational blessings. Like, yes. so there's a lot that my husband, Jason, and I are doing. We're, we're the first in our family. We both come from divorced families. We both come mm-hmm. from fathers of alcoholics. I don't know my biological father. Both of our families have declared bankruptcy. I'm mm-hmm. the first one to graduate college. Like, yeah. so there's, there's like the of first, course. we're the first generation Christians in our family. I mean, now my mom and my stepdad have gotten saved. And, um, so, you know, so there's just a lot of ways in which we're first. And so I think that I can't be shocked when also, you know, we just, we, we take, we battle a little bit, we have to, and, um, and other people battle in other ways. And so, but I do think that anytime you're first, you can't be shocked when you're like, I can't, can't understand why I'm getting all this resistance growing my business. I can't, I can't, yes, you can. I mean, <laughs> you're the enemy wants to see the enemy always comes in the beginning to stop things before they start. That's also why our children are such a target, because if yeah. the enemy of our soul can get anything in the beginning stages, that his job is just so much easier. And so he'll yeah. always come in the beginning, especially for the ones going first. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so we covered a lot in this conversation. Oh my gosh, so much good. We're going to do this in person next time. I know. Hang out. (laughs) What would you say? Like, I mean, just even being such a champion for women, Mm -hmm. what do you see God doing in women right now? I mean, you could go Mm -hmm. from the context of, you know, from the perspective of coaching or business, Mm -hmm. but what do you see God, you know, doing with women right now? Yeah. So, um, I did a podcast, um, I think it was maybe two years ago in January that the Holy Mm -hmm. spirit had just showed me what an open window from heaven there are for women in business right now. Mm -hmm. And so for women that have been on the fence or they've been waiting for the perfect time, first of all, there's never a perfect time. Mm -hmm. Remember when you were like, people are like, when you're going to have kids, I'm waiting for the perfect time. Okay. There's no such thing as a perfect time. There's always going to be chaos and always Mm -hmm. stuff. So if you've been waiting, like, I think that, um, okay, I have lots of thoughts, Natasha. <laughs> um, and I'm not prophesying, but maybe. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think that we are going to see a little bit of a shift away from social media in years to come. I think mm-hmm. that all the studies are showing how awful it is for our teenagers' brains. I think we see different countries putting things into legislature that they're not going to let kids on social media yeah. before a certain age. Um, I think that we're just going to see more people taking sabbaticals um, mm-hmm. from social media and just kind of pulling away. Okay. So I think that, so I think that a wise woman right now is like, okay, this is an opportune time. Uh, There's, I believe we're still in a, in a season of God favoring females in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Um, Not because I'm anti-men, like, please hear my heart. You know me well enough, you know, but 
there's a di- there's a huge difference between a female led company and a male led. There's a huge difference between a male coach and a female coach. Like mm-hmm. women bring a softness and mm-hmm. a discernment to the marketplace and a different level of marketing. Like women are some of the best marketers because yeah. I understand the hearts of other women. And I'm mm-hmm. not trying for a hard sale. This is why it's so easy. I don't want to say easy. That's, that's the wrong word. But um, when you just relate to people, you know, especially when women relate to other women, sales become so much easier because yeah. you're not having to try to drive with like, you know, this is the time. Like when women just understand the hearts and the desires of other women, I think everything's easier. So if you're a woman listening to this right now and you feel called yeah. to anything, and yeah. if you're wondering, like one of my favorite things to talk about, and I know Jamal and I have had many conversations just yeah. about how I think there's so many Christian women who are like, Um, I just feel bad about wanting to make money. Why are you feeling bad? You've got bills. Do not feel bad. If I ever write another book, Natasha, it will be on the topic of Christian women and money because God has just downloaded so much to me about um, women and how weird they get about making money. And so that would be a whole nother podcast. We can do that later, but um, there is still a window of, you know, from heaven, I believe open for females, growing a business, starting a business right now. But I don't know that that is going to be open forever. You know how there's just yeah. like so many people are like, I wish I'd gotten on the, I don't know, yeah. buying Tesla, you know, when it first came out, like buying their stock. Like you you look back and you're like, oh, why didn't I get in on that mm-hmm. when the timing was good? And I think the timing is still now for women. You're mm-hmm. never going to have the assurance that anything's going to work out. Like stop thinking that you get to be the special one. And I mm-hmm. say this with all the love of my heart. You don't get the special favorite child treatment where God's going to assure you this is going to be a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Like you step out in faith and then hopefully you'll get some things along the way. And so that would be my exhortation to the women listening today. Like you've got everything in your favor right now. There's no better time for you to be doing the thing that God's called you to do. And if you're thinking, I don't know enough, well, nobody ever does, you know? And so I think we forget that we keep learning as we're going. So if you're like, well, I want to coach on, you know, eating gluten-free or whatever, but I don't know everything, but you know more than some of the people who are following you do and you'll keep learning. And then you can keep teaching, like go Mm -hmm. with what God has given you today and um, believe that he's a good enough God that he will shift you if that's yeah. not the direction he wants you in. So that's what I would just share with your women today. Thank you. Wow. That is right on the right on time. And I completely agree with everything that you're saying is that there's season and times for everything. And um, it's just really being able to jump into the deep with the Lord, jump yeah. into the water, get wet, go mm-hmm. on yep. this you know, transformational journey with him. And that's what we're doing even here within the Call Woman community is that we really want to help partner with women who are ready yeah. to say yes and are ready to jump in. Um, so, so Jennifer, I would love for you to share with our audience how they can stay in contact with you oh, awesome. um, and sure. all of that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Instagram is probably my favorite place to play these mm-hmm. days. They can just find me at Jennifer Allwood. Since they're listening to a podcast, um, I also have a podcast called The Jennifer Allwood Show. Mm-hmm. Um, we did two episodes a week for years and years. And then we went down to one. Now I'm going back up to two, Natasha. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can go find me there. If you want to send me a DM, I'm always on Instagram. But if there's some mm-hmm. tool I have, like I have a free, you know, prayers for entrepreneurs or something like just send me a DM. I'd love to send that to them. And okay. um, I'd love to pray if that's okay. Yes. And I pray. I don't know if that's okay to ask. Actually, well, I want to pray over you in particular, because I know um, you're you're paying a price 
and I don't know what it is, but you are. And so, um, so let me just pray. So Lord, I just thank you so much for Natasha and for Jamal and Lord, I thank you for, um, man, the support of a godly man. There is nothing quite like that when you are a woman who is in business and so Lord, thank you for Jamal. Thank you for Natasha's willingness to go first and to teach and to lead by example. And I'm just praying a hedge of protection around their family. I'm praying for a blessing for handfuls on purpose over them and their life. Um, I'm praying just for the health and the wellness, um, and just their children just to be being. Um, raised up and to call her blessed. And so, Lord, I just pray for anyone that's listening to this podcast. Lord, if I said anything that was out of alignment with your word, I pray that they would just um, forget what I was, what was even said, Lord, and that they would understand the heart behind it. And Lord, I do pray for the women who are feeling called to something. Lord, I pray even in the still hours of the night, Lord, that you would speak to them, that you would give them ideas and dreams in the nighttime. And they wouldn't just foo-foo it off, Lord, but that they would pay attention, Father God, and they would see the different ways that you're trying to speak to them. And for the women who do know what they're called to next, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage, not the confidence, Lord, but give them the courage just to step out in faith and do the thing and try the thing and take that next step. Lord, I pray that you give them a five-foot vision instead of a five mile vision. Sometimes it's that five mile vision that trips us up. So Lord, give them a five foot vision to show them the next thing and the next thing. And Lord, I just pray that we would be yes girls for you on the side of heaven, Lord, that our hearts and our ears and our eyes would be tuned to you, Lord, and that we would be looking for the next thing that you're asking us to do, to draw more people to your kingdom, um, to just influence the nations, Lord, and to bring glory to your name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jennifer, again, for being here on the Call Woman podcast. Bless you, friend. We'll see you all in the next episode. Take care. What did you think of today's episode? I hope you loved it as much as I did. If you found any value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you downloaded this episode by hitting that little down arrow wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the subscribe button. If you have any big takeaways from today's episode, feel free to share it with a friend that you think would benefit from this episode. I absolutely love hearing how you feel about the episodes that I'm sharing and creating for you. So feel free to tag me on social media with any truths or breakthroughs that you have received. I love reading what you find the most value in. Thank you again for being here today. And I pray that you felt the love of God through today's episode. And always remember that you belong in God's story.